So as I said, this is the Divine Mercy Sunday, the second Sunday of Easter. It's also the second week of our new message series called Things Jesus Didn't Say. There are lots of things that Jesus did say. There are things that maybe we think he said, but he didn't. So we're looking at some of these over the next few weeks. And so I'm going to need a little bit of participation from you this morning. I know it's early, but I better get you at the beginning of the homily because by the end you may not be paying attention. So here's some, that was a joke. I hope you're paying attention. So here's some common phrases Jesus never said. Now finish these for me, okay? What goes around, your past will come back to, you made your bed. All of those are statements that describe something that you get what you deserve, right? But Jesus never said those. Thankfully, he never said those. I mean, now put yourself in the upper room with the apostles on the night of the resurrection. Two days earlier, you saw the Lord killed, being hammered. You saw the Lord dying, full of blood and pain on the cross. That morning, a former prostitute ran up to the upper room with words that made her seem like a lunatic, like she was crazy. I mean, imagine that Christ had risen from the dead. Then that brings back hauntingly Christ's words of prophecy that he would be killed, but had risen from the dead. Then, fearful of everything, with the door tightly bolted, Jesus came through the closed doors and said his first words to his apostles. So what words would you have expected him to say? Surprise. Maybe. I don't know. Long time no see. Maybe something like that. Maybe he would pull a line from the Terminator, you know, on Bach, you know. Maybe something like that. No. That's not Jesus' first words, but we know that his first words were obviously very important. I mean, he's just triumphed over death. He was coming to proclaim the good news of himself to those whom he would send out to proclaim it after his ascension. And his first words, therefore, had to have been very important. It's the first words he spoke to them after he died. So as they hid, he really could have called them cowards. I mean, he could have said once again, why don't you trust me? Why are you not proclaiming the news of my resurrection already? And he could have been very hard on them, but he wasn't. I mean, even we could understand, uh, or maybe we could not even blame them that much for the disciples hiding him. I mean, think about what just happened to Jesus. It may happen to them. And so I think we would all agree that if they got what they deserved, it really wouldn't have been the words that Jesus actually says. However, in mercy, Jesus came and stood before them and said, peace be with you. It's an act of mercy. And because Jesus is God, that makes it divine mercy. One thing we should realize about mercy, however, is that it's never earned. Mercy by definition in its very nature is freely given. We cannot earn mercy or else it's no longer mercy. Just like with grace, we can't earn grace or else it's no longer grace. And yet the idea that you should get what you deserve is really pretty popular. It permeates our society, probably because, well, it makes a lot of sense. It seems fair. 
I mean, think about it. And we could list a full, we could list full of, of transactions, all these things that happens. We go to work, we get paid. We hand over some money and we get food or coffee or a place to live or maybe a vehicle. A farmer plants and gets a harvest. A child disobeys and gets time out. Now, for me, it wasn't time out, but get time out now. A student works hard or they don't, and they get a fair grade. I mean, it's no wonder we come easily to believe that what we get is what we deserve. But there are really just too many holes in this thinking. You probably already wondered to yourself, did a hungry infant deserve to be born into a region of the world where food is scarce? Does the Ukraine, Ethiopia, and other war countries really deserve what's happening to them? I mean, we could come up with a whole list of things that don't make sense, that obviously are not deserved. We might even say an amen when we read a quote like, salvation is, salvation is God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. But do our stress levels, our maximizing self-talks and our latest attempts at spiritual improvement really believe that? Of all the good in your life, is any of it worth a blameless, perfect human, let alone the Son of God, dying a painful death for you? On the other hand, if you produce perfect behavior, incredible generosity, and you were kind to everyone you met starting today and for the rest of your life, would you have really earned what Jesus has done for us, what he's done for you? Well, you can breathe a sigh of relief because Jesus never said you get what you deserve. Jesus said things like, your sins are forgiven. Go and leave your life of sin and forgive them, for they know not what they do. And as he hung on the cross, he told a remorseful criminal, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The criminal realized who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing for him, and as they were both dying nailed to a cross, the criminal asked for mercy. Now, that criminal didn't have a chance to climb down from that cross and start reading his Bible or going to Mass or, or say a rosary or a Divine Mercy chaplet. He didn't have the opportunity to get involved in his church or to be a part of helping his community. He had none of that. He had no opportunity to earn what he was asking for from Jesus. And yet, Jesus freely gave it to him. And like that criminal... We have no chance to earn mercy from God. But we have every chance to show him love, generosity, and our obedience. Not as payment, but as worship. And doesn't following Jesus' as worship make so much more sense than adding another one of those more transactions in your daily life? So thankfully, we don't get what we deserve. We get God's grace and God's mercy instead. If God gave us what we truly deserve, we wouldn't want it. We definitely wouldn't like it. The cause of our rebellion and sin, we don't deserve mercy. We deserve justice. So if we don't get what we deserve, 
How do we receive what Jesus has to offer us? While we desire mercy, it may not be too easy to receive it. We often get in our way. We reject mercy from God and from others because of various impediments. At times, pride is an impediment. When we are prideful, we rely on our own strength. And it convinces us that we're not wrong or that we shouldn't be weak. And that receiving help or mercy shows weakness. It's a very common American problem. We don't seek help when we need it. To combat pride, we must grow in humility. Humility is the acknowledgement of one's limitations or flaws in comparison with God's perfection. Humility is not the mindset that we are less worthy or less valuable. To be humble does not mean that we demean ourselves or focus solely on our flaws. Rather, humility reminds us to see ourselves from the perspective of God and to see that we have dignity and worth in being His children. In humility, we recognize that all good things come from God and that we should rely on Him for strength and goodness. At other times, doubt is an impediment to mercy. We saw that in our gospel today. We doubt that we can be forgiven. We think our failings are too great to overcome, that we've committed that one sin that God just can't forgive. He just can't overlook it. He just can't do it. So we conquer that doubt with faith. St. Paul encourages us to confidently approach the throne of grace, to receive mercy and to find grace for our help. Another common impediment to receiving mercy is shame. Shame is a painful feeling of distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Shame can be as good as it helps us to identify our sins, but it can also be dangerous because we might let it rule us. Mercy is greater than shame. And God teaches us to bring sins to light and face our failures. But it must not stop there. Receiving mercy leads us to give him our sins and to let go of that shame. So when we are hungry and someone offers us food, we grow in humility. When someone else forgives us for our wrongdoing, we experience forgiveness, healing, peace. When someone else counsels us in our doubt, our faith grows. When we experience mercy from others, we experience the presence of God. So this week, I want to challenge you to take opportunities to receive a work of mercy, not just to give it. I encourage you to give it as well, but to receive it. Perhaps you rely on another to take care of you when you're sick or serve you when you need help. Or ask someone close to you to honestly and lovingly admonish you. Or maybe ask others to pray for you. Ask God to help you notice the moments that you could receive mercy, not just give it. Nothing shows us the mercy of God more than when he invites us to this divine meal of mercy by receiving him in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. We have some young ones ready to receive him for the first time today. And what a joy it is to share in that mercy that God offers us by coming to this table and altar.
to the supper of the Lamb. As we receive, we are reminded of the mercy that God the Father offers us, in which He in turn expects us to share with others.